You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day to gather, Lord. Thank you for calling these parents to this class, God. Um, We know our children belong to you, Lord, and I just ask that you bless us with joy in leading them to you, God, with wisdom and discernment of how to best do that with our children, Lord. Um, I pray that every day that we are investing in our children, God, that we would not view ourselves as their Savior, Lord, but that we would trust in your Holy Spirit to do the real work. And I ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. Well, I first want to give um, a quick little introduction. I think I know most of you, but if I don't, um, I'm Tara Davis. I'm the director of children's ministries here at the Advent. I'm also the nursery director, and I was formerly a teacher. Um, A funny story about how that worked out. I was in college um, on the path to do physical therapy, but only for children. And then when I found out you can't just do it for children, there's other fields I said, I'm going to go into teaching and um, went into teaching, absolutely loved it. And then the Lord um, called me here. So children have always been a huge passion of mine. I've taught kindergarten, first grade and third grade. And I have two children of my own. I have a seven-year-old son, Hudson. He's in first grade and a four-year-old daughter, Reagan, who is four. So I named their ages for everyone to know. Everyone in here probably has a lot more experiencing with parenting than I do. I am certainly not an expert, um, but it's just a joy of mine. And such a blessing of this role here at the Advent is that I get to do one of the things that I loved so much in teaching was coming alongside parents and um, walking alongside them and supporting them and encouraging them. And the neat thing is, is I'm in your boat too. So um, this is just a blessing to be able to be here. So if you know about this series, we've titled this series, Simple Ways to Invest in Your Kids at Home. Um, I want you to hold on to that word simple because while we'll have a lot of ideas bouncing back and forth about things we can do to invest in our kids, the idea is that we want it to feel simple and so so that parents are not overwhelmed with it. But um, last week, Wes Sharp led a great class on family worship. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it was really great um, and really honest. He talked a lot about um, how they do family worship and different ideas and really hit the idea home that it's not a one-size-fits-all for every family. Um, and on a personal note, it was so encouraging for me to listen to that because my husband and I realized you know, we're more thriving in the individual child spiritual leading and Wes's class was so great for us to think, okay, let's really try these new ideas for family worship all together. So I recommend listening to that. Today's class is um, kind of a big picture view of um, big picture wise, what can we do to lead our kids spiritually? Um, Next week, October 24th, will be about prayer and that'll be led by Julie and Craig Ogard here in this room. And then on the 31st, I'll be back with tools and tips of reading the Bible with your children. And that's something I'm so passionate about. I was formerly a reading and writing teacher. And so um, we know that there are so many different 
Bible choices and how to read. Do you read to your kid or with your kid or send them to read on their own and talk later? So many things. And so um, I'm super excited about that class and hope you'll join then too. But our goal today is basically a big picture view. Um, on the home front, what can we do as parents to lead our kids to know and love Jesus? and to lead them to a lifelong relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to keep coming back to that a lot because I think for so many parents, including myself, we know there are so many ways to do that. And sometimes we might get lost and overwhelmed with, we need to do A, B, and C. But our ultimate goal is we want our children to know and love Jesus. And if we can keep coming back to that, a lot of times that's what really helps simplify it. Um, I want to first start off with talking about just the idea and the philosophy about why here at the Advent and in many Christian communities, we feel like the home front is such a vital part and a vital place to do that. Um, Proverbs 22, 6, a verse we're probably all familiar with. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And that's really our hope and our prayer. We know if we look back at our own spiritual lives, there may be times where we were far from God or seasons were dry, but our hope and prayer is that we train them up and ultimately they will not stray from that. Um, little fun fact, does anybody, can anybody guess about how many times child or children is mentioned in the Bible? It's over a thousand. Yeah. And so um, I share that just for us to remember children are important to God. Like they are in the scriptures. They are all over it. It is not one of those things, okay, raise them right to do all the right things and then later we'll really invest with them. I mean, the Bible makes it really clear. Jesus makes it really clear. Children are so loved. They're valuable in God's kingdom um, and they are talked about all throughout scripture. Um, what I want to focus on for just a second is that as parents, we really don't want the mindset of going into spiritual le spiritually leading our children to try to get any glory, right? Like we know it's messy. We know it can be frustrating. We know they're going to roll their eyes sometimes or say they don't want to do it. We know we've had a stressful day at work or on the home front. And so it's also probably not likely that later down the road when they're sharing their testimony that it's going to be because my mom sat me down every day and did X, Y, or Z. You know, a lot of times it's this retreat they went on where the Spirit just really worked in their life or a struggle they went through that brought them to Jesus. And um, so we just need to go into it knowing we're called to lead our kids. Um, and it might not be, it's not going to be for our glory. In fact, the lesson that the kids are learning today in Sunday school is the Tower of Babel. They're learning that um, there's consequences when people try to um, have glory for themselves. So, um, you know, we ask for humble hearts, for us to lay the groundwork and to plant the seeds, um, knowing that we might not get a lot in return. Um, and that's okay because ultimately our children are the Lord's and we're just called to lead, plant seeds, and let the, the Holy Spirit do the work. Um, I want to move on and talk just for a second about we are so blessed to be in a community that has so many um, opportunities for children to outside of the home have wonderful um, 
enriching opportunities to know the Lord. We have amazing churches in our community. We have community Bible studies. We have camps that kids can go to, after school things, um, retreats and this and that. And all of those are great, but we never as parents want to think that that kind of covers it. If anything, we want to look at those as just supplements and that our home is really still a place where we want to um, truly, truly invest in our kids as parents coming to the children. Um, there are so many circumstances where we send a child to an expert or a coach to learn a skill and to have experience and participate in a skill. So sports and dance, you know, we they go to basketball practice multiple times a week or dance practice or theater practice, karate, golf, um, even tutoring, extra practice. So it's in our culture to say, okay, we want our child to learn about blank. So we're gonna send them to someone and spend a lot of time on it. And that's great. But in, at the same, um, taking that same concept, I think we would all agree that we want our children to know and love Jesus more than all of those things. And I just share that to say, if we're so, we are so intentional about teaching and giving them opportunities to learn about other things in life, um, we really want to have that same mindset when we're talking about their Savior. Um, and we really do have the ability and hopefully um, learning the skills to talking to different people about how we can do that at home. Um, I want us to talk about time for just a minute. So if we think about a school day, our children are in school for about seven hours a day. And let's just take math or reading, for example. They are probably spending about five, six hours a week on math, probably about seven to nine hours a week at school on reading or writing. And we know that's good for kids. We know that they need direct instruction. We know that they need feedback and time to reflect and time to apply and practice and coaching and encouragement and correction and all of these things. Um, it's the same when we're teaching them about the Bible or we're teaching them about theology, teaching them about God. So it's never, um, we know as adults, child development is around all of those great instructional practices and teaching and um, children need that for learning something as complex as the Bible, um, theology. God is complex and so great. And so um, if we take that mindset of children need time to learn something, they definitely need time to learn um, about the Lord. And church once a week, you know, that's not a whole lot. What, what we do here, the one, one to two hours a week that we see them is so rich and it's so well thought out and planned, but it's such a small snippet of um, the amount of time that they're on this earth. And so we just encourage um, that mindset to say, okay, the timing of is important. What can we do to maximize our time with our children at home? Um, so the purpose of this series is to um, think about some simple ways that we can invest at home. I just want to reiterate that not one size fits all. We have, okay, no, we have newborns in here, and then we have older kids in here too. So families are all so different. There is not one package that fits all. And hopefully at the end, we'll have a little bit of time to bounce back and forth about things that have totally bombed in your house and then some things that have worked really well. Um, so we can come together and think about some great things we can do. 
So I think we're probably all on the same page about, okay, we're on board. We want our kids to know and love Jesus. How can we do this at home in simple ways? Um, I would love on that first handout, the first page of the little packet I gave you, I would love for you to think about your role in three different parts. Um, if we go straight to teaching, that can get really overwhelming really fast because there is so much to teach about the Bible. There is so much to teach about theology. There is so much to teach about Christian practice and the Christian life. And then before you know it, we're throwing out all these bits and pieces and it can be overwhelming to the parent and not bear a lot of fruit in your family. So if we look at this sheet, what's the first column on the sheet? Pray, right? And if we look at our priorities. I wish I came up with this, but I didn't. Um, I can't claim it. But if we look at our priorities in order of pray first, then model, then teach, um, that leads to more peace in us. And it leads in our children seeing rather than being told. So we'll get to all three of these. So throughout today, if you jot, if you want to jot down anything in any of the columns, feel free to do that. Um, I'll be really honest, as just an innate teacher, I and, and because I find so much joy in the teaching, I can go straight to the teaching because it is so life-giving to me. Um, and this is so helpful to remember that my first and foremost pri priority for my own children should be to pray for them. Um, and what that does, when you start doing that and we start praying that to God and acknowledging that our children are His and we are simply stewards of them. Um, and we are praying that we believe and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do the work. That is so freeing. And it actually leads to um, more joyful guiding them because we're not putting all the pressure on ourselves. And so um, whatever your hopes and dreams are for your children, pray it every day. Um, Make sure that your your number one priority in leading your children is putting them in the trust of the God and in, in God. Because if we start thinking we're in control of their salvation, that is not the place that we're supposed to be in. And so above all, pray first. And we'll get to this in a second in the modeling, but um, I would even share with your children what you are praying what you are praying to God for them. Um, modeling that is doing that in front of them. But even if you're praying on your own, share with them what you're praying for so they can see um, how much you trust the Lord for their um, future and their spiritual lives. Um, next, um, I talked about it puts us in our humble place that we need to be. Um, and... Yeah, I, I honestly would encourage you just to jot down some notes about what your spiritual dreams are for your children in this um, little column. Just so you can come back to this and um, commit to praying for that every day. So after prayer, even before the teaching, we want to model. So um, as parents, we could easily say, you need to do A, B, and C. And you need to read the Bible. And you need to pray. And you need to do all these things. But that is not going to bear much fruit unless they are seeing that being done in a heartfelt, genuine way by their parents. And so um, modeling, we want to model Christian practice and Christian life to our children. Now, I don't know if any of you are horse people, but you know the old horse analogy? Horses know exactly how the rider is feeling. So if the rider is 
scared or feel fearful or stressed or angry, the horse can pick up on that. I kind of feel like it's the same thing for kids, right? If you're sitting them, sitting there telling them um, all about God and Jesus and they're, you're just, you know, not really feeling that, I feel like they can pick up on that. And so what I urge all of us to do is just to really assess our own personal relationships with the Lord. Um, the number one thing that you can do in your children's lives to invest in them spiritually is for your own spiritual life to be rich and meaningful and authentic. Um, and we've all been through dry spells and seasons where we didn't feel super close with the Lord and how freeing it is to share our hearts vulnerably with him and ask for the renewed heart to just thirst for him and hunger for them. And when we are in a close, close personal relationship with the Lord, um, it is so much more joyful and authentic and meaningful when we're investing into our children. So we can't really bypass, we can't go straight to our children and guide them authentically if we ourselves are um, kind of dry. And so um, first and foremost, invest in your own relationship with the Lord and um, much fruit will, will be bared from that. Um, all right, I would um, love to share that when we think model, we can also just think, okay, I need to model behaviors and actions. And I want us to be really careful when we're teaching our kids that when we model things like praying and reading our Bible and all of those things lead to knowing God more and being um, being spiritually close with him. We do not want our children to think of the Christian life as just check boxes. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray more. I need to confess my sins more. I need to give more money. And so those practices are great, but if we bypass the heart and if we bypass modeling and showing matters of the heart, they're going to go straight to law and they are going to be, you know, so behavior focused. Um, and I will say, since they are children in school, that is kind of hard to combat. The the way, you know, at school, it is very performance-based. And they are um, striving to do things well and to do them right. And I would just encourage you, while you're modeling Christian practices at home, to model talking and sharing about your own heart. And what that might look like is... Um, sharing the current condition of your heart and modeling what it looks like to talk about how you're feeling or something that's happened, a circumstance that's happened. And I mean, in a kid-friendly way, of course, but really any any stressful situation that you've gone through in a day or upsetting situation or angering situation or sad situation really can be um, communicated well to even young children. And so just sharing that and then sharing how the gospel shapes how you're going to respond and deal with that. Um, and for kids to see us as parents be vulnerable and talk about a time where um, we were fearful that day or we were upset that day or we were frustrated or angry. And then what, um, what we're going to do about it. Okay, well, first I need to pray about this because my heart is just in knots right now and I need the Holy Spirit to help calm me down. And then... Um, 
kind of following up with whatever actions that you did. That works really well for our family at dinner time. Um, we'll do a rosebud thorn format where everyone will go around and share a rose as a blessing or something that's going really well in your life. Um, the thorn is a challenge or a hardship that you've gone through that day. And then the bud is something that you're growing in or want to learn in. And it leads to us talking about kid-friendly ways of talking about um, how our heart was throughout that day, good or bad, and then how we were able to walk through that um, through the lens of our relationship with the Lord. Um, I Okay, modeling the Christian life. So if we um, talk about the difference between Christian life and Christian practice, Christian practice is really those actions that include prayer, worship, going to church, um, service, reading the Bible, tithing, things like that. Christian life is really about how the gospel and your relationship with God shapes your relationships and your lifestyle and views. So those can kind of be intertwined sometimes, but there's a, a subtle difference between the two. And um, we want to model both of those. And we want to model those a lot through talking. And um, we don't just want to do those things. We want to talk about why we're doing those things and how the positive benefits of doing those things and um, bringing in the words and the back and forth conversation about those. Um, we want to model what it's like to be a disciple. I think one of the best things we can model to our children is for them to know that being a disciple of Jesus is a lifelong process. Um, there is never a time where we want our children to think, okay, once you've finished high school, you just know it all. And so we make a really big point in our house to talk about even the stories that the sermon will be on. And like, yeah, you know that story. And they'll say, yeah, I know that story. And said so that's the perfect way to show that adults need to hear that story time and time again. You know, our learning is never over. Um, and for us just to model that and talk about that with children is encouraging to them because there's going to be so many things that they don't understand or they think that everybody else in the world understands that and they're not the only one and we just really need to model to them that there's never an end point you know our life here on earth is continuously walking and growing um in our walk with jesus and it's ongoing um we want to model prayer i would really encourage y'all to come next week to julie and craig's class on prayer we want to model that prayer is not just at meal times and not just at bedtime. We want to model by saying prayer is talking to God. When you are super close with your best friend, what, what do you do with them? You talk to them all the time. You think about them. You love them. Um, you tell them you're sorry when you've hurt them. And it's the same thing with Jesus. And so we don't just want to teach that to them. We'll get to the teach part in a minute. But we want to model to our kids what it looks like to talk to God all throughout the week. Um, for our family, this works really well in the car. Um, I will sometimes share, oh, I was a little stressed out this morning and in a hurry. And um I was just praying when I was in the garage and Hudson will say, what'd you pray? And I said, oh, I'll tell you, I pray that the Holy Spirit will calm my heart because I was running 10 minutes late and I had to get you to school. And, um, but I'll, I'll share with them prayers that I prayed when they weren't around. And then in the car too, a lot of times I'll just, no matter the time of day, we, um, we'll just pray for different things. And so ultimately we don't want them to be intimidated by prayer. We don't want them to think it's only, um, about, 
sharing your needs or it's only about um, thanking him for things. So we want to model praying is acknowledging the greatness of God. And so we want to do that out loud when we're praying for them. We want to um, thank him specifically for blessings. Um, my sweet son has a tendency to say, thank you for all my many blessings. And so instead of trying to correct him when it's my turn, I'll say that, but then I'll name some specific ones. And so over time, he's going to get it because I don't want him to think, we don't want our children to think that prayer wasn't good enough. You know, so next time, let's try to do this. The more we model, the more that they'll pick up on it and they'll see. Um, we want to model confessing our own sins, um, obviously in a child-friendly way, but even beyond, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Um, when I'm with him, I'll try to name some that I have done that day. He'll like to revert back all the way to like last year when I was mean to Reagan. I'm like, come on, buddy. You know, um, let me tell you how mama didn't make a good decision today but modeling that specific sense so they can see the freeness of being vulnerable, you know, and seeing that the Lord already knows and he wants you to come to him. Um, and I pray, I try to model, we want to model to our children praying for the heart to hunger and thirst for Jesus, right? Because I think sometimes that children can be, they know they want to know and love Jesus and sometimes they might not have this hunger and thirst yet and they we want to model to them pure honesty talking to God um, and so the more we can do that the more that they will feel free that they don't even have to mask and shape their prayers to you know impress the Lord um, it can just be like Lord I didn't even think about you one time today give me a heart that knows you and wants to think about you all day long because um, like we said earlier we want to model that it is about the heart and it is not about behaviors. Um, Wes's class that I mentioned, we want to model family worship by doing family worship. We, um, If that's not something that you do in your house, I'll be really honest. I, my husband and I had a great talk after Wes's class saying it's really time for us to pick up our family worship. Reagan's old enough now where um, you know, we were really thriving individually with our different kids because Hudson is really analytical and really deep and asks great questions. And Reagan only wants to read about Adam and Eve or the crucifixion, you know, and so, and she's disruptive a little bit, but we can still do the individual, but it was very encouraging. Like it's time for us to pick up our family worship together. Um, but we want to model that and model that that's important to our family. So that class was a blessing to us. Just that gave us the ideas of um, how to start that in a more meaningful and routine way. Um, so that's really about the modeling. The big picture is just that we are not teaching our kids what they ought to do, that we're actually doing it ourselves and, um, and doing it with them and talking a lot about why we do that because it grows our relationship with the Lord. We're going to move on to teach now. And um, teach is divided into those four parts just because I think the teaching can be overwhelming sometimes. And here's what I want to say. You do not need a seminary degree to teach your children to know and love Jesus. Um, it should not be intimidating. One of the best things that we can teach our children is that we don't know all the answers. And so that is a blessing when our kids say, well, what does that even mean? Or I don't understand that. And if you don't, even if you do know everything, tone it back sometimes and act like you need to follow up on that a little bit more so they can learn 
that, wow, sometimes we read something and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us and we need to think about that more and look into that and, and follow back up to that. But the teaching, uh, we're going to teach in terms of those four categories, Bible teaching, theology, Christian practice, and Christian life. And um, we want to teach our children that all of this is because when you have a personal relationship with someone, you know them, you know them well, and you spend a lot of time with them, and you think about them a lot, and that is our hopes and dreams for our, our children. And we want to teach them that that is the ultimate goal, a personal relationship with Jesus. Not so much that your goal, and while we want them to know the Bible, they will over time, but we want them, if they were to say what's more important knowing all 66 books of the Bible or knowing and loving Jesus, we want them without a doubt to say knowing and loving Jesus. And so anytime we do, just try to tie that in. When you know and love Jesus, your heart and your life changes. Um, and I cannot reiterate enough that routine and repetition is so great for kids. Um, even if you've read a story so many times or you've done the gospel catechism that we'll talk about in a minute, or um, talking about the Lord's Prayer, whatever it may be, when you repeat something over and over to a child, they it gives them that reassurance, okay, I'm tracking, yes, I know this. You're gonna find that they interrupt you, they're trying to finish your sentence. They um, are saying, yeah, 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 I know this. And sometimes the opposite, they'll roll their eyes and say, oh, I already know this story. And what a great opportunity for you to say every time we learn something, even if it's the same story we know or the same song or whatever we're doing that's repeated, the Holy Spirit can make it go deeper or he can teach us something new. And so just talk about when you go to Sunday school, a, a class or hear a sermon, it's likely not something that you've never heard before. You're just hearing it with a, um, a different speaker, with a different lens. And we want our children to know that repetition is very important. Um, okay, so in Bible teaching, um, I really encourage you to read the Bible to or with your child, even if they are in third grade, fourth grade, um, even fifth grade. Because here's the thing, the... So many, on October 31st, when I talk about reading the Bible with your children, I'm going to bring in the Bibles that we really recommend. Of course, they're great ones. Um, but basically, for our youngest children, we recommend the Jesus Storybook Bible. And then for about, from kindergarten through about third grade, we recommend the Gospel Story Bible. And that one has about 156 stories in it from Old Testament, New Testament. But every single story ties it back to Jesus. And the thing about the Adventure Bible, it is a true NIV Bible. So even though it has colors and pictures in it, if you have an NIV Bible at home, that's the Adventure Bible minus some of the graphics and sidebars and things like that. And so it's so likely that a child can read really well and they can read the words, but they might not necessarily be able to tie whatever passage they're reading and connect it to Jesus and see how it fits in the whole big story of God's redemptive plan for his people. And so even though it's the gospel story Bible is a picture Bible, it's, it's two pages of text and then it has a little illustration. Um, we can't recommend it enough to read with your child or to your child. And they might say, why are you reading to me? I know how to read. And you just say, because I want to spend time with you because I want to do this with you um, because this is a great Bible story. And obviously read on your own too, but um, try that out if you don't do it. And it leads to great discussion. 
Um, I also want to point out that a lot of times when your children, whether you're reading to your child or they're reading, we want to ask them, did you understand that? Or what did you not understand? And there is um, a great story from Acts 8 when Philip comes across that um, Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch was actually reading the scriptures. And so, you know, somebody else could walk by and be like, oh, yeah, he's he's reading the scriptures. He's He's totally got it. But Philip, the spirit led Philip to ask him, do you understand what you are reading? And turns out the eunuch's like, no, who is this? And it was scripture from Isaiah um, talking about the suffering servant. And turns out he didn't understand who it was. And Philip was able to share the gospel and say that's Jesus. And he was saved and got baptized. And I share that story to say it might look like our children are reading and doing the Christian practice of reading the Bible, but we want to give them opportunities and the expectation, like, you're not going to understand everything. So talk to me about what you don't, what you don't understand. And, um, I don't think I mentioned this in the modeling part, but it goes great in here. It is so powerful for us to share with them our misconceptions, whether that was when you were a child or even now, um, for them to say, for them to realize it's normal to read something in the Bible and not fully understand it. Um, with my children at home, I talk a lot about when I was little, I had no concept of myself being a sinner because I didn't understand God's holiness. And so when you don't understand those two things, you don't understand your need for a savior. And when I share that I didn't understand thing, Hudson loves it. He's like, well, how did you not know that God is so holy and perfect? I just didn't, you know, but he loves hearing about, tell me what else you didn't know. Um, they love it, but we want to give them opportunities to share and feel safe explaining what they don't understand. We can help them with that. Um, going along with Bible teaching, there are some great apps and TV shows out there that have phenomenal Bible stories. Um, there's an app called Right Now Media. It's an orange um, app. You do have to pay for it, but it has, and honestly, some of these shows might be on YouTube, but um, Superbook is this amazing show that... Um, it is, it has these futuristic characters, but they go back in time to Bible times and um, they have Old Testament stories, New Testament stories. There's a show called Friends and Heroes. But all that to say is if you search online, there are great shows that are truly teaching Bible stories that um, kids just eat up. And let's just face it, it's a lot better than a lot of the junk that they are trying to watch out there. So there's some great Bible teaching in multimedia types of um, shows as well. And um, we talked about sharing your own biblical or theological misconceptions to your kids. Um, it just leads to great talks. All right, let's move on to how to teach theology. That can seem really intimidating, but it's not. Um, what I want you to look at is that second page in the packet. Theology is basically the study of God and the Christian faith. So there's the study of Jesus, the study of the church, the study of salvation, the study of heaven. Um, the study of humans. And so that can be hard to teach, but the New City Catechism is a set of, um, not. I think actually the next page might be the Gospel Catechism. We'll get to that in just a second. But the New City Catechism is 52 questions and answers that um, talk about sin, the Holy Spirit, um, Jesus's atonement on the cross. Um, it talks about law versus gospel. It talks about 
sanctification, anything within the Christian faith that you would want to teach your children, it's in there. And so um, I don't recommend you saying, okay, we're going to learn number six today. Repeat after me. But read over them and just think, wow, okay, these questions are something that I really want my child to know. And just embed those in your conversations at night or in the car or breakfast, dinner, wherever it may be. And there is an app for this. If you have younger children, it's an app where there's children singing all 52 of these songs. Um, and for younger children, it's a great resource just to throw it on the car. Um, the gospel catechism is also, that was that second page right there. Um, I got an email from a third grader, a third grader's mom last week that said, um, and he's an adventer and he was with his cousin. So the gospel catechism is those questions and answers. What does the gospel mean? Good news. What is the good news? Jesus died for my sins. Why did Jesus die for your sins? So I can have a relationship with God who loves you the most, God. Who loves you the second most? Mom and dad, what can you do by God's power and grace? Hard things. So in Sunday school, they're hearing that all the time. Um, This third grader's mom emailed me and said, I want you to know my child was with his cousins and they were all praying. And most of the prayers were about thanking him for the family. And her son said, "Um, God, I thank you that Jesus died on the cross so I can have a relationship with him and that he loves me more than anyone. And that right there was the gospel. And that shows, like, he didn't do the question and answer. At that point, it was, it went from his head to his heart. And he was able to share that with his cousins, which was a beautiful thing. So whether you do it in the car or at home, at bed at night, in the morning, um, we just highly recommend that um, to teach your children about that. Um, we want to t- your, we want you to teach your children about heaven. Um, Cameron is doing so many great classes on heaven and heaven-mindedness. His book will come out soon about that. It seems like it's too high for children, but it is not. We want our children to understand that this world is not all there is, and we are, Christians are bound for heaven where things will be perfect, and um, we want them to know that life is not perfect here on earth, and for them to have a mindset of that can be so encouraging, and they're less discouraged when they realize the broken world can be really hard to live in sometimes. Um, my son Hudson recently has started to say, like, Mom, I don't want you to think I don't love you or that I want to die. But in this weird way, I'm kind of excited because then I'm going to be where it's perfect with Jesus forever. And I'm just drop the mic. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Like, I want your, your purpose is to be here on earth right now. But um, he's talking about that over and over. He's yearning towards this perfection that's going to await us. It's definitely not going to be here on earth. And we can start teaching our kids that. Um, Christian practice. I'm going to speed this up real quick. Christian practice. um, We want to teach our kids about um, family worship and why that's important. We want to teach our kids um, why reading the Bible is important. We want to teach our kids that coming to church is important, to be in fellowship with fellow believers. Um, we want you to teach them about um, the challenge and the personal experiences with giving your money to the church. You know, we're in stewardship season, and for them to um, hear that you're having to trust the Lord and depend on the Lord for different things like that, that is important for them to see your um, challenges or 
um, tension with that. Um, we want you to teach about prayer that we mentioned. And then um, the Christian life, we want you to teach your kids that their purpose is to love and glorify God. That's in the New City Catechism. Um, and we want you to teach that the Christian life is about the heart and not about behavior and law. Um, you keep saying it's about your heart for Jesus and he will change you. He will bring you closer to him. Um, they don't have to put that pressure on yourself. If we bypass the heart, we go straight to do better, do this, don't do this. And then when that doesn't happen, they're discouraged and they're wondering why. So we want to teach them it's all about the heart. Um, we talked a little bit about this. We want to prepare them for suffering. It's going to happen. And we want to teach them how to suffer well. Um, I, my family has just been going through this. Um, my son has a, a speech issue and finally got made fun of recently. And while that was heartbreaking and crushing, it gave us such an easy end to just start talking about suffering. And we pulled out the Bible and reading Romans and everything Paul has to say about suffering. And so that was so freeing for me to realize, like, we're going to parent this through the scripture and not me try to fix the world for him. Because I, I can't I can't prevent people from doing that. I can't fix the stutter that he has. I can't make sure no one asks him why he does it. It's just going to happen. So we can just prepare our children to suffer well. Um, and that is really it. I know we're a little bit over time. I wanted to open it up if there's any comments or questions, things in any of these categories that work really well for your family or just questions or challenges that you have. And if you need to scoot out, um, feel free. Yeah, thanks for coming. Tara, really fast, what's some like, good quick word choices for when you're trying to do a devotion or something and your kids are being silly? Like how do you like kind of rein it in without yeah. shaming or That's a great question. In fact, that was um, brought up uh, in Wes's class. So what I would do for that is prior to like, say you're going to do um, devotionals at night, you know, around dinner time, say, hey, let's have a family meeting real quick. Let's talk about some different rules and expectations for when we have family worship tonight. What are some things we should do? Kind of always try to do what are the things we should do before we say don't do X, Y, or Z. And then, okay, so what are some things that we want to stay away from? And then why are those things not good? Why should we not be jumping on the bed and tickling our brother, you know, because um, it's distracting and we're trying to honor God. And so then when those happens again, when those behaviors happen again, you can say, hey, remember we had that family meeting and we set these family expectations. We all agreed on this, uh, but kind of setting the expectations beforehand um, and having it feel more like a team agreement, I think over time could help. Yeah. Good question. Any others? Yeah, really awesome. Thank yeah, thank you all. Thank you so much. Yeah, Sarah. reach out anytime. Sure thing. Y'all have a great day. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.